Welcome to Words to Live By, a podcast series hosted by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. Each week, we will share some of the wit and wisdom of Ronald Reagan. In essence, Words to Live By, made up of radio addresses and speeches he delivered from the 1960s through the 1980s. In today's podcast, we'll honor our veterans, and you'll hear in the President's messages to veterans quite a bit on the subject of peace through strength. Going through our archives, both citizen, governor, and President Reagan delivered many, many addresses saluting those who serve our country. Today, we've chosen two. The first he delivered in August 1980 to the veterans of foreign wars. The theme was peace. Because in candidate Ronald Reagan's view, peace was the first purpose of American foreign policy. So in saluting the sacrifices made by veterans, Reagan is stressing that in order to protect these men and find a path toward peace, we must focus on peace through strength. He covers why he thinks American foreign policy has been working against peace and how that trend could be reversed. World peace was a major theme of Ronald Reagan's 1980 presidential campaign, and the theme seems quite fitting in light of the wars currently waged in the Middle East and Ukraine. In the second half of this podcast, we'll hear when he addressed the American people in honor of veterans 40 years ago, in 1983. Of course, this address was particularly focused on the veterans of both the Grenada and Beirut operations. But first, let's begin in 1980. Remember, it's just three months away from the election. He's been cast as a warmonger due to his criticism of Carter's foreign policy, and he's addressing the veterans of foreign wars. Let's listen. It has always struck me as odd that you who have known at first hand the ugliness and agony of war are so often blamed for war by those who parade for peace. The truth is exactly the reverse. Having known war, you're in the forefront of those who know that peace is not obtained or preserved by wishing and weakness. You have consistently... (laughs) You have consistently urged maintenance of a defense capability that provides a margin of safety for America. Today, that margin is disappearing. But because of your support for military preparedness, there are those who equate that with being militant and desirous of war. Well, the great American humorist Will Rogers some years ago had an answer for those who believed that strength invited war. He said, I've never seen anyone insult Jack Dempsey. But about 10 days ago, our new Secretary of State addressed a gathering on the West Coast, and he took me to task about American military strength. Indeed, he denounced the Republican Party for pledging to restore that margin of safety which the Carter administration had allowed to evaporate. Now, actually, I've called for whatever it takes to be strong enough that no other nation on earth will dare violate the peace. Now, this is what we mean by superiority. Nothing more, nothing less. The American people expect that the nation will remain secure, 
They have a right to security, and we have an obligation to provide it. But Mr. Muskie was downright angry. He charged that such a policy would lead to an all-out arms race. Well, I have a message for him, one which he ignored for years as a senator when he consistently voted against a strong national defense. We're, we're already in an arms race, but only the Soviets are racing. They're, they're outspending us in the military field by 50% and more than double, sometimes triple, on their strategic forces. At this point, the candidates segued into specific examples of Soviet spending and aggression, i.e., the Brezhnev Doctrine, as it's known. But then Reagan gets right back to his point. Let's listen. Clearly, world peace must be our number one priority. It is the first task of statecraft to preserve peace so that brave men need not die in battle. But it must not be peace at any price. It must not be a peace of humiliation and gradual surrender. Then you're going to find this interesting. He goes into a little history of military parity with the Soviet Union all the way back to JFK. Let's listen. When John F. Kennedy demanded the withdrawal of Soviet missiles from Cuba and the tension mounted in 1962, it was Nikita Khrushchev who backed down and there was no war. It was because our strategic superiority over the Soviets was so decisive by a margin of about eight to one. But then in the face of such evidence that the cause of peace is best served by strength, not bluster, an odd thing happened. Those responsible for our defense policy ignored the fact that some evidence of aggressive intent on the part of the Soviets was surely indicated by the very placement of missiles in Cuba. We failed to heed the Soviet declaration that they would make sure they would never have to back down again. No one could possibly misinterpret that declaration. It was an announcement of the Soviet intention to begin a military buildup We'll cut to the close here. It's surprising. It's going to catch you off guard as the president transitions into another topic. We've been a refuge for the persecuted and downtrodden from every corner of the world for 200 years. Today, some of us are concerned by the latest influx of refugees. The boat people from Southeast Asia and from Cuba, all fleeing from the inhumanity of communism. We worry about our capacity to care for them. Well, I believe we must make a concerted effort to help them and that others in the world should share in that responsibility. But let's do a better job at the same time of exporting Americanism. Let's re meet our responsibility to keep the peace at the same time we maintain without compromise our principles and ideals. Let's help the world eliminate the conditions which cause citizens to become refugees. I believe it is our preordained destiny to show all mankind that they too can be free without having to leave their native shore. More about President Reagan's words on Veterans Day right after this message. 
The Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation is the nonprofit organization created by President Reagan himself and specifically charged by him with continuing his legacy and sharing his principles, individual liberty, economic opportunity, global democracy, and national pride. We must remain vigilant and work together to share these conservative principles with younger generations. Your role is critical to move our mission forward. Thank you for your continued support. Please visit reaganfoundation.org give. That's reaganfoundation.org give. Now, back to the story. In 1983, after the bombing of the Marine barracks in Beirut and following the Grenada rescue, the president drafted some particularly touching words to honor not only the sacrifice of the living, but to honor those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. You'll also hear two important things. First, a little history of Veterans Day and a very touching story about a wounded soldier hospitalized who just received the Purple Heart. Let's listen. My fellow Americans, next Friday, November 11th, we'll celebrate Veterans Day, the day America sets aside to honor millions of our finest heroes. They are the men and women who defend our country and preserve our peace and freedom. This Veterans Day offers more reason than ever to think about what these special people mean to America. Our most recent heroes, those still serving and those who have just come back from Beirut and Grenada, carried on with the same dedication and valor as their colleagues before them. If we remember that their dedicated service is in defense of our freedom, and if we understand that they put their lives on the line so we might enjoy justice and liberty, then their sacrifices will not be in vain. This is our obligation, and this has been the spirit of Veterans Day from the beginning. Veterans Day was originally called Armistice Day. It was first celebrated in 1919, the year we commemorated the armistice ending a war that was to have ended all wars. Two years later, a solemn ceremony was held in Chalons-sur-Marne, a town in northeastern France. The ceremony would have deep meaning for America. The remains of four unknown American soldiers had been brought to the town square from four American military cemeteries in France. An American sergeant, Edward F. Younger, placed a bouquet of white roses on one of the caskets. The American unknown soldier of World War I had been designated. After transport across the Atlantic aboard Admiral Dewey's flagship, the cruiser Olympia, our nation laid this hero to rest in Arlington National Cemetery on Armistice Day, November 11, 1921. Sixty-two years have now passed. Millions of people from every corner of the world have come to the tomb of the unknown soldier to pay their respects to America's fallen heroes. The First World War did not end all wars. The assault on freedom and human dignity did not end. Our nation has laid to rest too many other heroes. From Guadalcanal and Omaha Beach to Mig Alley and Porkchop Hill, from Quezon and the Ashaw Valley to Beirut, America's best continue to give of themselves for us and for freedom-loving people everywhere. Yes, veterans have given their best for all of us, and we must continue to do our best by them. Today, I reaffirm my determination to obtain the fullest possible accounting for our Americans missing in Southeast Asia. The sacrifices they made and may still be making, and the uncertainty their families still endure, deeply trouble us all. We must not rest until we know their fate. 
Our hearts turn also to our disabled veterans. Their sacrifices and hardship endure every day of the year. A compassionate government will show them that we do remember and honor them. We will meet their special needs. In particular, there is no substitute for caring, quality health care, and that care, that care will be provided. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to visit Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. I went there to pay tribute to the many who gave their last full measure of their devotion. They kept faith with us, and indeed they were heroes. Where do we get such brave young Americans? And where do we get those that came to their aid? The Marines in Beirut who witnessed an unspeakable tragedy and returned to their posts with the same dedication and even greater resolve. The air crews working around the clock, the army doctors performing medical miracles, and the sailors helping in countless ways. Such men and women can only come from a nation that remains true to the ideals of our founding fathers. I also met with families and friends of those who lost their lives. I share their sorrow and they have my prayers as I know they have yours. These brave men protected our heritage of liberty. We must carry on. I believe we can and will. The spirit and patriotism that made America great is alive and well. There was a brief ceremony in a hospital ward of Fort Bragg, North Carolina last week that showed what I'm talking about. News photographers were taking pictures of soldiers who had just been awarded Purple Hearts and other decorations for valor. One wounded soldier, Private First Class Timothy Romick of the 1st Battalion, 75th Rangers, wearing a Purple Heart and a combat infantry badge on his pajamas, interrupted the photographers. He said, wait a minute. And he pulled out a small American flag. This young Army Ranger put the flag above his decorations, and then he said, okay, you can take your pictures now because this is what I'm proudest of. Each time our nation has called upon our citizens to serve, the best have come forward. Words cannot express our gratitude and admiration, but we can and should take the opportunity on this Veterans Day to remember their gift to us. When you see one of our young men and women in uniform on the street or someplace, how about a smiling hello and maybe a thank you? Veterans know better than anyone else the price of freedom, for they've suffered the scars of war. We can offer them no better tribute than to protect what they have won for us. That is our duty. They have never let America down. We will not let them down. Until next week, thanks for listening and God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more information on the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute, including information on how to become a member, information on upcoming exhibits at the Reagan Library, and more information on the legacy of President Reagan, please visit reaganfoundation.org. And don't forget to like and follow the Reagan Foundation on all social media platforms.